Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Uh, we're coming at you live from stormy, stormy Nashville tonight. Uh, got to, got some severe weather rolling through, so if my weather alarm goes off in the background, I'll try and mute my mic as fast as possible for you people so I don't blow your eardrums. But, um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens there. We're, we're going to keep this podcast ready to go. doesn't matter, rain or shine, we come at you every every week, so... Uh, this week we got we got Nate back on the podcast because we're gonna do a, uh, we're gonna do a Masters recap. I told you last week when we we previewed the Masters with uh, Nate and Joe that we would come back at you with um with some reactions and Joe couldn't make it tonight, but luckily we do have Nate. And we can kind of talk about what we were right about, what we were wrong about. Um, but uh, overall, it, it was a it was a pretty awesome Masters. But first, uh, first thing and uh, foremost, Nate, how are we doing tonight, man? We're doing great. Yes, I'm in. Omaha and so I'm wondering if this weather cell has kind of just made its way east across the country if it's the same one if it's hitting you now um who knows I'm not I'm no meteorologist but uh uh peace be with you uh, as is this holy week as we're in this holy week um yeah stay much safe a, over there much appreciated my friends so, <laughs> um yeah I mean I like I guess you know it'd be fair if we started off with uh with the end result and kind of where we where we got um who we had winning it, and that was uh, the clearly the hottest player coming in um, on tour coming into this week. The newly uh, crowned world number one coming into the week had just taken it in his last start, comes into the Masters. Uh, he was the second player ever to be making his first uh, career start as world number one at Augusta. The previous person to do that was Ian Woosman, who also won the Masters the time that he did that in, I believe he was 1991, if I'm not mistaken. And Scotty Scheffler goes out and pretty well dominates this tournament from Thursday to Sunday. Um, Saturday, Sung JM came out on, on fire, had a fantastic 67 to start his uh, tournament. And then outside of that, um, it was really the Scotty Scheffler show. Scotty played good that first day shooting 69. And then, and then was um, he was in the final group on Friday, took the lead final group all day, Saturday, he had a huge lead. I think it was a, yeah, I think it was a five shot lead on Friday at a, had a four or five shot lead again going into Saturday um, or no, maybe it was three shot going into Saturday and then um, finished it out on Sunday. So I guess um, what are your, your first reactions to Scotty getting it done this past week? Yeah. I mean, he, honestly, he wasn't a, that popular of a pick, which is so surprising. I, I, I don't know. Like you would think world number one, he's been the hottest player in the world the last couple of months. Everybody would be picking Scotty, but no, I mean, Rom and, JT and Rory and Cam Smith, you know, all these flashy picks and Scotty just continues to show up and score better than everybody and not make mistakes down the stretch and look like he is just playing around the golf at his local uni with his buddies. I mean, his demeanor is just unbelievable. Um, I think he's one of this run that he's on is comparable to the only thing comparable is a run that Tiger went on. And I think, I mean, Tiger has been on, 12 runs like Scotty's on right now, you know, throughout his career, but just that type of dominance um, where the points of his world golf ranking come from him to number two in the world is the same gap as correct me, Kylie from number two to like number 700 in the world. Yeah. It's uh, the gap between him at one to 10 is the same difference as seven to, or is 10 to 781 in the world. Right. And so that it is the level he's on is unbelievable. And, and I think what makes it so him so unique and why he's nobody talks about him is he's so calm. I mean, he's not the 
you know, when Tiger, he's going to rip your throat out. Nobody talked to him at tournaments, nobody. And he didn't talk to anybody. And there was this intimidation factor. And um, I think just Scotty's personality is just conducive to that. That, And I think he enjoys that just low flying under the radar. I mean, um, he talks about his faith a lot. And I think, I really do think we see the fruits of that, 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 that is really is who he is, where he's like, if I shoot 82 on Sunday, you know, God's still going to use it, you know, for, for his glory. And then who says that, you know, so he's got to be, um, you know, walking the walk with, I mean, clearly with how calm he is. I mean, um, it, he is just an enigma in just such a cool way. We haven't had anybody in golf like him. Um, no, we have just that any- real. Yeah. It's so it's so refreshing to see the the honesty that he has the the comfortable how comfortable he is in his own skin and in his own beliefs um, to to be as honest as he is. I mean, he said after his round on Sunday in his um uh, in the in the presser with Masters Media, he said that when he woke up on Sunday morning with a three shot lead at Augusta, um, he said he woke up so anxious and nervous that he was literally just bawling, crying. And his wife had to call him down and was like, hey, listen, like, Meredith was like, listen, if you go out and you shoot 62 or 82, I'm still going to love you and God is still going to love you. And it does not change a single thing about that. Um, and that's kind of, I, I think, the mentality that he took. There was a, there was a lot going on on Sunday, which I do want to dive into kind of everything that was happening on Sunday and how this tournament played out. But before we go uh, kind of into a round by round and, and more of a real in-depth recap, you know, the, the one thing I'd say that we got right which was the Tiger Woods impact on certain players. And that we said that going into this tournament, somebody like Rory was going to be freed up, um, not having not having the conversation on him, um, trying to complete the career grand slam. I would say that he it definitely looked that way, especially on Sunday. I mean, granted, he was a long way back coming into Sunday, but uh, he finishes solo second at Augusta. And then you look at the other person we talked about was Scotty Scheffler. We said that, hey, this is going to help him, that he doesn't have to answer questions being world number one. And I would absolutely agree that this helped him um, coming into this week. I think that it would – I don't know if he wins this tournament um, without kind of that freed-up nature that everybody in the world talked about. Tiger is the only thing TV showed. It's the only thing media cared about. And Scotty got to play second fiddle, and it really helped him. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and another thing that we were close on, we had the right idea, but just missed the person was we were talking about Bones' impact on JT and being around around Augusta and just the impact that that caddy relationship would have with him being with Lupin for JT. Um, just go around. And we had that right idea, the caddy impact, but just the wrong player. And we to- I totally slipped my mind as we were on here last week, just the impact that Teddy Scott um, could have on Scheffler. I mean, he won twice. Um, with Bubba around Augusta in 2012 and 2014. Um, he seemed super like-minded, like Scheffler. Um, they met, you know, at a PGA Tour Bible study, you know, like, and so the, the, the same um, kind of morals and same um, core beliefs and who they are, um, I, I just think come down the stretch to be able to relate on that deep of a level just has to impact Scotty and have to add to that just calm demeanor that he has. Um, and set aside, let alone the deep course knowledge that Ted Scott has by winning twice there. So um, we were right on that idea of the caddy impact, but just missed on the player, and we'll take that into account for next year. Scotty had never won on tour, and he wins. Uh, what is this? Is, is this his third win in five starts now? Um, or something? I think that's – no, it's four, so I think it's four, four. wins in – in six starts, I believe is what it is um, now with, with this yep. Masters win. And it's 
yeah, I don't think you can do anything other than start to attribute that. I mean, clearly also he's, he's on a heater with his putter. Um, his short game is fantastic. We, we can talk about other, those, those other things later, but I mean, clearly this is a caddy impact as well of getting him over the finish line. And it's funny enough, you know, I, I'm really ashamed. I mentioned Bubba is maybe a long shot of, of a lefty getting around the course and it's been a decade and all this fun stuff. And, I don't even give any credit to his own caddy playing for the world number one, uh, caddy for the world number one, but um, no, it, it was great stuff. So let's, let's kind of dig this out round by round, kind of the highlights of the day so we, we can go through this. So Thursday. Yeah, one final thought, one final yeah. thought on Scotty, um, just to put in perspective this run he's been on the morning of the Super Bowl. So the morning of the Super Bowl, Scotty Scheffler had won zero tournaments on tour. His first tour win was a waste management open the day of the Super Bowl. And now he's a world number one dominantly um, with no end in sight. Just it has been an unbelievable last two months for him. Yeah. And, you know, you say that we haven't seen this run before. And it's, we're going to have to see how the rest of the season plays out to see what happens. But I think it's really hard not to compare what Scotty is doing right now to what another wonder boy from Texas did. And that was uh, young Jordan Speed. In 2015, when he went on his absurd run, he won. He he runs away at Augusta like Scotty did. He got a couple of other wins. He I want to see how he does at the majors. And I'm not saying that if Scotty doesn't go out and finish, you know, win the U.S. Open and go one shot out of a playoff and second at the PGA that, you know, it's a, it's a wasted season or anything. But I would compare what we're seeing to a on fire run like what Spieth did in 15. Yep, I agree. Uh, there are a lot of similarities there. That's good. So, um, yeah, so Thursday, you go out. Um, wind was up a little bit. Uh, the, the course was dry. The The temperature wasn't too bad. Or, sorry, the no, course was soaked, my bad, because it just rained on uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday. So, soft conditions, but it was windy. Temperature was fine. And you saw some struggles. A lot of people struggle to play well. Um, you saw some big names go out and not play so well. And then you have Sun J.M., kind of come out on fire out of note. Him and Cam Smith were the two guys that really came out on top on fire. Sung Jay shoots a 67. But I think the story of the day on Thursday had to be Tiger Woods of, you know, what we're going to see on this first round. And Tiger came out and right away it was clear the man could still hit the ball. He still had the shots in him. He was hitting some pretty lasered iron shots. Uh, He wasn't converting on a few putts early on but he gets his way around that course and he shoots a, a first round 71. And I want to say he was T 11 uh, after day one, beating a lot of really good golfers. Yeah. I mean, it, he came out hot. I mean, cameras were, they were on him all week, but I mean, that <laughs> the focus of everything and he delivered, I mean, the masters as a tournament couldn't ask for anything more from a coverage standpoint, you know, first time t- first round tigers back and he's playing well. Um, he was moving good. You know, his leg looked kind of like weared out, you know, as he got further on during the week as was expected, but, um, he came out those first five holes, six holes. I mean, he was one under after seven, you know, bogeyed that par five, which was tough, but, you know, finishing the day one under it, he had all the shots. Um, when he hit that iron on six to about a foot, I thought it was going to go in first bounce. It was, I, I was at my desk at work watching the masters, of course, and just about jumped out of my seat. I'm like, is he back? Is, is he going to win this thing? And I think that was the thought of everybody. And deep down we knew in our minds, we knew that was not going to happen, but in our hearts, we we're sore. And we're like, is he back? 
Um, and it's, I think, yeah, he finishing the week, um, all four rounds. I know we're just focusing on round one, but just the fact that he finished the week, I think it was a success story. And that was clearly evident from right at the start round one. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think we kind of think we knew it watching the PNC father son challenge that he probably was going to have all the shots. It was going to be a matter of could he get himself around the course for four days. And we, you know, we kind of, we kind of nailed it in what we said, what we expected from Tiger. We said Tiger has enough in the tank to probably go out there for 36 holes and be able to beat a bunch of people based off course knowledge, get himself um, across the finish line, make the cut and then struggle on the weekend as his leg starts to give out and he starts to get more worn out. And that's pretty much what you saw. I mean, he shoots a 71 uh, first round and then let's see here. Scroll. He shoots a 74 second round and 78, 78 Saturday, Sunday, um, some tough, tough conditions for him on Saturday. And, and then Sunday, it was just a little bit all over the place and, and his putting really struggled on the weekend. But I think a little bit of that probably has to do with, with pain um, because he pain's going to distract you when you're starting to putt. You can see that he couldn't bend over on putts as well. Uh, I think a lot of that goes, goes into that. You can start seeing him have all these three putts and, just stuff that's that's not normal tiger uh, actions, I would say. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, the things that we predicted would falter, you know, his could he physically make it? You know, I, I think driver gets squirrely. Um, I, I think he hit his driver best he has in years this weekend. I mean, he he didn't have any foul balls. Uh, it really, that that I saw of just sometimes his misses. He's going at it hard. I, I honestly think his leg could kind of help him in that. Of uh, He kind of keeps swings in control. But when you get like kind of those smaller muscles in the legs, like just the super steady grinding over the putts, super, you know, mentally taxing. Um, that's what we saw kind of falter. And we've never seen that kind of out of Tiger. I've never seen him four putt, let alone twice. I think he had two four putts. Could be wrong, but um, it was to, just still great just to see him out there. Yeah, it was. Um, so that was that was definitely the story of, of Sunday and then or Friday, I should Thursday. Gosh, if I can get my days right. Um, Thursday, that was that was kind of the story of it. Um, nobody was really running, nobody was really running away with it. We got a very good grasp early on on Thursday that this Masters was going to play tough, even on soft conditions with the westerly wind, which is a very odd win for Augusta. It's not a win that you get very often. Um, it makes a lot of holes play extremely difficult with crosswinds on hard holes with other holes playing back into the breeze that you don't normally get. Um, and so it, it was shown its teeth, even on a day with, with soft fairways that you could kind of hit it all over the place. The greens were, were starting to dry up and then you get out there on Friday and the wind is up big time. They're getting 15 to 20 mile an hour gusts and guys were struggling. Uh, it, it was one of those things where if you were late, if you're one of those late groups, I mean, it was just, how can I get this thing in the house? Because there were some, there were some ugly numbers. Now, once it, once about the sun started going down, the wind died down a little bit. So maybe the last couple of groups got a break. Hold on one second. Uh, let me, you, you talk for a second. Nate. Yeah, I'll keep going. As Kylie has his weather alert in the background, I think too, before we jump into the second round on Friday, I think a couple of major things on Thursday that were still key that I think are big. What ifs two big, what ifs from Thursday were Cam Smith and Justin Thomas and how Cam Smith, he opened with a first round 68, 400 second. That's what we expect, but he played holes. Let me get this right. Five through 16. So 12 holes at eight under par. 
and he has started the round and ended the round with a double bogey. So he, yeah, he shot four under, but it could have been way deeper because he parred two, easiest hole in the course usually. He parred 13, second easiest hole in the scoreboard hole in the course usually, and he doubled one in 18. And that is a total what-if round for Cam Smith. Um, but, I mean, he bounced back and had a great tournament, and, but just the difference of what that could have looked like. And then with Justin Thomas, opened with a 76. He was able to get back in it with a 67 in round two as we continue to talk about Friday's round um, and back backdoor his way into a top 10 finish. But just how different – he talked about how frustrated he was about that first round uh, four over par and just how much different his week could have looked like if it was set up better. Um, but it was Rory is it was Rory esque. We always talk about Rory kind of shooting himself out the first day. It's what JT did. Um, and so he was, he was playing catch up. I mean, you had can't, you had the leader. It was at five under and JT starting at four over uh, going into, you know, he's nine shots back after one round. I mean, this is just stuff that you can't do to yourself because it's, you're going to need help from those leaders to stay, you know, to have a, a neutral day for you to even have a chance to come back in it. And JT went pretty nuclear on, on Thursday or on Friday. I mean, in tough conditions and got himself roughly back in it. But even at that, you look at what Scotty did and he started putting himself in, in too much distance away from people. And so, yeah, you, you put yourself at just way too far of a detriment when you, when you shoot that type of round in the first round. And, and I think you're right. It's a huge what if moment for, for JT. And then with Cam, Starting and ending with doubles is tough. And I think you saw a little bit of lingering effects going into Friday. Tough round, but he shoots 74 on Friday. I think he may have been feeling that, you know, man, kind of what if, and he's thinking about it, and it, it bled over into, into Friday morning for him. But, no, we were we were sitting there. I know before I hopped up there, we were talking about, you know, Friday. Um, Scotty Scheffler played stupid good on Friday afternoon. And definitely took advantage of those wins going down after Sun went down those last couple of groups, got a few more opportunities for birdies on 16, 17, 18. Um, and, and Scotty goes out and shoots 67. Shane Lowry played an awesome round in that win and shot 68. A great, a great Lynx player, someone who's going to thrive in those type of hard windy conditions. You saw Morikawa go out and shoot 70. Um, absolute ball striker. I mean, that's, that's what you started seeing was just some really good rounds from guys who happened to to hit the ball well, but this is where we realized that Scotty was running away with this because it was a five shot lead over Shane Lowry. He was at eight under and Shane was at three going into the weekend. And you're like, how is Scotty going to blow? Like, he was hitting the ball too good. And you just started, I mean, that was the only way anybody was going to catch him was if Scotty was going to go out there and shoot 76. Yeah, totally. I mean, you look at who shot the best rounds in round two, Scheffler 67, Thomas 67, Lowry 68, Schwartzel 69, Hideki 69, Morikawa 70. You know, those are those t- those are premier ball strikers. When we talk about ball striking, those are the names that we hear. And, you know, the famous Tiger quote when talking about him when early in his career and he's talking about playing in the wind, he's like, yeah, the wind doesn't really affect me that much. I just I just focus on hitting it well. And, you know, there's there is some truth to that, that the people that strike it best, the, the wind usually tends to affect it the least. Um, Cause you, yeah, yeah, just strike it so well. And so uh, definitely a story in round two. And it's just kind of a game of chase from there with if Scotty can just hold on to this. How many, uh, what are these names? I'm going to read you off some names that missed the cut here. Um, since we're going chronologically, what, what names were you most surprised to have when I, when I started reading these off of guys who missed the cut, Sam Burns, uh, Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, uh, Xander Shoffley, 
Justin Rose, Luke List, um, and Bryson. Uh, these are these are some fairly big name guys that all missed the cut. And frankly, it was not even uh, Sam Burns was a little bit close. He was one off, but I started at Sam Burns at one off, and those names were going downhill from there. Um, to Bryson, I think shot twelve over, and the cut was at four, so he was eight shots off of it. So, um, what were your what were your big surprises there on the cut, guys? Yeah, I mean, you can you know hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, being in the seat that we're in right now, you can say, yeah, Spieth, you know, he's looking like a head case on the course right now, literally. You know, with all he's doing, and if we were just banking on Augusta, snapping him back into shape, um, that's kind of, yeah, kind of wishful thinking that we come to find out. I mean, I was high on him entering this week. Um, so still surprising that he didn't perform well at Augusta. It seems like the first year that that's happened. Um it's not, yeah, first or second year that he just hasn't performed well. Um, Xander's always a surprise, especially when it comes from ball striking and his, he can strike it well, putter gets hot. Um, normally those guys have success. Um, but probably Kepka. Kepka is probably the guy that, um, you know, the, all the stats of most under par in majors since 2018 or whatever. And Kepka just has a huge lead and majors is his time to shine. And I mean, coming back first normal year after he kind of um, choked it away in 19 when Tiger won. Um, I thought he was going to come back with a vengeance. Game is kind of trending in the right shape, uh, but Brooks was probably the one that surprised me the most. Yo, that was that was easily the one that surprised me the most was him because um, he's healthy right now. He has played so well here in the past, and to see him struggle and frankly. I mean, shoot 75, 75, so six over, misses it by two. It didn't look very good any at any point in time around the course. Um, I, I don't know if it was the wins. I don't know if it was putting. I didn't get to see enough of him to know exactly where where his issues were, but it it was definitely a uh, an eye-popping thing to see him miss the cut. And then speed, we're just – we're seeing, you know, course history does definitely help a lot of people, but at the end of the day, you got to have form coming to this course because it is such a precise golf course mm-hmm. with your irons. Um, you got to be first, you have to be in position off the tee to be able to go to the green. And then once you, if you are in position, uh, you've got to hit it in such a small window if you want to hit good shots. And if you aren't on it, you can put yourself in the worst position possible and you turn what should be a normal par into a hard bogey, frankly, sometimes. Uh, it's not the hardest course in the world if you're trying to go out there and make pars. I don't think you've got in terms of if you play smart, you can keep yourself in positions to make a lot of pars. Where this course gets hard is when you've got when you're trying to go out there and make birdies. Because if you go for a birdie and you are just a hair off, that's where you start breaking in bogeys and doubles so so quickly. Yep, totally agree. Uh, I think totally agree. On. Yep, carry on. All good. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that kind of handles that at least on the, on the large names that, that I saw the price in, I don't think it was any surprise necessarily, uh, especially because he has been injured coming into this, hadn't made, uh, the cut his last two times out there. So not, not the worst surprise. And he continues to really struggle at Augusta as well. Xander, uh, uh, Xander also in a sense that he played so well last year and then faltered on 16 hitting in the water. Um, you thought maybe he's starting to really figure it out around this course. I hope it's not a head case thing for him of a, of a, what if miss situation. We'll, we'll I'll have to kind of, I think monitor Xander in years to come for that. 
Uh, and, totally. And then Saturday. Uh, Saturday was bitterly cold for Augusta standards. This is normally a pretty warm tournament. It's Georgia in the in the spring. Uh, typically, you're going to get 70s and 80s, and it's pretty warm. Uh, this was cold. It was 50s. It was windy. It was just kind of a nasty day out there. And by the time Scheffler and them were finishing, it was in feels like temperatures in the low 40s for them. Um, and you saw a lot of struggling golf, a lot of people to struggle to put together decent rounds. You have Scheffler at 70 or 71, McElroy shot 71, M. Smith shoots 68, a ridiculously good 68, might I add you, after a great bounce back for Friday, puts himself in position. Um, gets himself into the final group. Sung JM, Cam Champ shooting 71s in those hard conditions. Fleetwood shooting a 70, and Jason Kokrak and Victor Hovland shooting 71s. Um, and Mark Leish would shoot 71. Like those were your under par numbers. So, what you had one guy in the 60s and the rest of them in the 70s. When you start talking about pros shooting scores like that, you've got a hard, hard golf course being played right now. Totally. And I think that's just the beauty of Augusta. You know, you just, um, it's just the different kinds of tournaments that you can get. You know, I think when Zach Johnson won early two thousands, he shot plus two for the tournament and won. You know, and you saw DJ win in twenty twenty at minus twenty. You know, and and it's at the same course every year. I think it's just the beauty of every tournament is different, but just the um gorgeousness, the beauty of um the course stays the same. And just seeing how it's played every year, I think that just draws to the um, to just the greatness of the tournament itself. No, no doubt. Um, it's beautiful how just a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain, course starts to dry up, whatever it is, it makes this course play so different. And it's where they put their pins, it makes it different. They're, they just do such a masterful job of getting the course to what – and. And aside from a few of the outliers, like the Zach Johnson one over, which it rained every day and it was so wet and everyone's having, you know, he, he lays up with every par five. And then you look at the DJ year where they played in November, which has never happened before. The course definitely played a lot easier at, at that time of year. The winds aren't as high up. Um, the course was overseeded. There's a lot of things going in your benefit to help you. Uh, but for the large portion of it, you see every year, it's like, eight under on tough, really windy years, tough wind, uh, uh, dry years. And then like 13, 14 under on normal years. It's really, aside from the, the blowout uh, record breaking performances, that's what you get. I'd say 80% of the time at Augusta. And that just shows you that they know how to set up their course, no matter what the, the, uh, the weather's providing them to a course that plays the same almost year in and year out, which is really fun to see because you kind of have an idea of once you start getting to a number, you're like, this guy's in, in winter range. Totally. As we talk about weather outliers, somebody that struggled big time on round three that I want to touch on, who is an outlier in his opinions towards Augusta is Tyrrell Hatton, a guy who is a hothead, a known hothead. And he, he made the cut, you know, shot plus two, first two days, 72, 74, and then fired off. 79 and 80 to finish dead last for the week. Um, and he was in an interview. Um, he talked about how he didn't like Augusta. He thought it was unfair. 
and he's he you shouldn't be scrambling if you miss if you miss shots by a foot then you have you're struggling to make par or bogey in certain situations and, and um I, I i just thought it was so fitting that um of the two or three people that i can think of on the top of my head that have had a gripe about augusta in the past in the history normally it's held in such you know hallowed reverence that tyrell hatton is one of them and then tom weisskopf is another one main one that the nickname is the towering inferno so that the two people that are literally known for being hotheads in the history of the pga tour are two of the people that don't like augusta is that coincidence I think not. <laughs> I think um, you just, uh, the people that struggle with nerves and struggle with their temper of this place, it gets under your skin and you just, um, no matter how beautiful and gorgeous it is, you just learn to hate it, I guess. <laughs> You've got to be so patient around this course. And those guys just, you know, they get, they get angry. They want to go get it back and it, it leads to more problems for them. Um, yeah. I don't think it was a very good look for him. Personally. I, I think that, he's really struggled at majors in general. And if you're finishing dead last of guys who make the cut, I think you should be looking a little bit more inwardly than, uh, than sitting there blaming the course. I mean, this isn't, this is not a U.S. open where they let the greens bake out on a Sunday afternoon and you can't stop anything. I mean, this is the, this is the most pristine golf course in the world. So uh, interesting tactic, in my opinion, calling out Augusta national, but Hey, you know what? If you hate so much uh, Hatton, just, just don't show up. No one says you have to, if they invite you, you can say no, it's an invitation. Don't, don't totally. RSVP. Um, do the Lee, the, the Lee Trevino method. I think he, <laughs> he, he had different reasons, but he declined for a while. One of the, one of the only few people that legends that wasn't a fan. Yeah. Uh, and then let's go Sunday. And Sunday was a day that was hard to keep track of everything going on watching it. I think the broadcast CBS really struggled to keep track of everything going on. And even people that had multiple screens going, they struggled too, because this was the, this was a normal spring day in Augusta. The wind was down. It was like five miles an hour. It was low seventies. It was absolutely stunningly beautiful. And it was go time at these pins. You have a lot of funnel pins on Sunday at Augusta. Typically, opportunities to you know if you miss the funnel you're in a really hard spot of making your your birdie or even your par and but if you hit it in there uh, i.e the you can play it in on two you can play it on uh what is it seven you've got a you got a funnel there you've got a a little bit of a backstop on nine you've got uh 13 is a is an accessible pin on a par five to go at 14's in a funnel or funnel 16's a funnel like you've got opportunities to get at these pins but if you miss them in the wrong spot you're you're really struggling so what do you have you have people going low all over the place uh low round of the day and we mentioned it earlier of uh Roy McIlroy went berserk on Sunday (laughs) uh best round I've seen from Rory in a long long time I, I really hope this is good things to come for him, that we, we see him compete at other majors or compete well at other majors coming forward. It's been a long time since he's won a major, but his 64 was just nothing, nothing other than electrifying goes out. I think he was four under through his first seven holes chips in on 11 makes a Eagle on 13. And then the, the whole out, the bunker shot at 18 was, was just stupid of creativity and how electric that that crowd was on 18. Yeah, totally. And 
yeah, the, it was the only bogey-free round of the week by anybody in the field in any round. Um, and if you get away from the minus the chip in on 18 from the bunker, he kind of cooled off after 13. Like it could have been even lower. You know, he parred 15. I know 15 was playing harder than it normally does. You know, kind of had some tree trouble in 14, 16. Usually people can birdie that when they're hot because of the funnel pin, as you said. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just so fun to see. I think Rory's peak, he has so much talent. Rory's A game is better than most other players' A game in the world, you know, when they're on. And uh, it's just so fun to see when we catch glimpses of that. We don't catch it all the time, obviously, but when we do, it is it is a sight to see. So does this give you uh, – you can look at it, I think, one of two ways. Does Rory 64 inspire you because this is his low round ever at Augusta? Does it inspire you that we think that he can get it done in future years? Or is this – or do you look at it on kind of the less optimistic side, which is like he beat 90 players in the field this week and shoots a final round 64 and plays awesome. He beats everybody else in the field by two and he still loses. Which side of the coin are you on? I started forever since Rory's debacle in um, when he blew that final 11. round, when he had that final, yeah, in 11, he had that final round 80. Since then I've been the first the former of the two sides he presented there of he's going to win here. You know, he hits it so high, loves drawing the ball, you know, just this, all it takes is a hot putting week and he's going to slip on the green jacket, you know, just those Augusta stereotypes. But um, I've just, the more I thought and processed at the end of this tournament, just being a golf fan, I lean more towards the latter of the, you know, you need to have an absolute perfect week and you need some luck in order to win. You know, I, I, I think every year there's just going to be more solid players coming in, you know, and these great players are getting older. You know, they, they've said that they said that about Greg Norman, you know, for all his years, all of his struggles, you know, like it's just a matter of time before he wins at Augusta. And, you know, we say that about Cameron Smith and we've said that about Rory now for the last eight years. And oh, it's only a matter of time. JT, it's only a matter of time, you know, but let, you know how much pressure that has to add to them because they then feel like that, too. Where they walk, you know, they, they're cruising down Magnolia Lane Monday of Masters Week. They're like, I can win here. I can win here. And when you have that personal self-expectation, too, that just adds so much more pressure. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say never say never, you know, because Rory, he has at least, you know, 10 more years in his prime, you would think. Um, but uh, I, I, I've, and, but that's only 10 Masters. You know, who's, who else is super hot that's going to win it in the next 10 years? You know, there's so many studs that can win right now. And so – I don't know um, if I have to lean one way, I'll probably lean more towards, you know, the gap is just getting like shut more and more each and every year because there's more studs and more people coming in that, that can win. I, I'm, a, I'm really afraid you're right on that. And so I, I'm going to hold off uh, the optimism, I think for another year and see, see if maybe this is what can, to, can start them on another year. And he proves to himself that he can do it if he just doesn't, start himself eight shots back going into Sunday. I think before it was, can I handle the pressure at Augusta? And I think he's won enough tournaments and he's got himself in contention enough times. I think that's not the issue anymore. I think the issue for him now is that he's just got to stop starting so slow. I mean, 73, 73, it doesn't kill you. But when Scotty Scheffler is shooting 69, 67, I, I mean, that's four shots, six shots. You're starting 10 shots back going in the weekend. We said it with JT. You can't do that. 
you need help at that point. And so if he just doesn't do that, I think he, he'll have a chance. He just, he needs to get himself to a weekend where instead of being 10 shots back, he's, he's three shots back and, and see what happens from there and see if he can play himself into the final couple groups, because he's starting to really figure, figure this course out. He continues to keep playing well. So in that, but that moment of him and then making his bunker shot and seeing him react, which by the way, was one of the worst reactions I've ever seen. The guy looked like he forgot how to celebrate. He looked like an 18 handicap out there breaking, breaking 80 for or breaking 90 for the first time in his life. Like he didn't know what to do. And then, um, but to follow for Mari Kawa to follow him up um, was really cool as well. And to see the, the genuine uh, joy both of them had for each other of, of making their shots and enjoying that moment was, was really cool. Yeah, just two of the greatest, you know, people on tour. You know, you, you just people rave about how nice Rory is and how nice Colin is and just how well they represent the game. And it was just so cool to see them share that moment. And I, I think that was, that pairing, they were paired together in the final round, you know, and combined they were 13 under par. You know, I, I, I think there's – they fed off each other a bunch. You know, Rory stuffs it on 13. Colin goes and puts it inside of them at, like, four feet. They both eagle it. You know, I, I think – they fed off each other, fed off the crowd, and just that moment on 18 was just a perfect culmination of it all. And uh, there really is an element of that pairing of if your playing partner's playing good or playing bad to be able to stay in the moment. And also why I think hats off to Scotty even more as Cameron is faltering down the stretch um, for him to stay in it um, as well as he did and just say, I'm just going to focus on my game, um, even my playing partner is shooting himself out of it but uh yeah i think amazing stat with morikawa he's been on the tour full-time what three years two three four years two years some somewhere in there and he's already had a top five in every single major it's um it is pretty incredible and he's ranked two in the world you know right right behind scotty um he passed rom this past week um after his finish and the he's just got such a bright future and just so unassuming just the nicest looking guy smooth swing um, just a lot of fun to watch. Man, he 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 is really unassuming, but he's a he's a killer. I mean, that guy, yeah, will that guy will put you away um, and have no regrets about it. And it's it's really really special to see what he gets uh, cranking in his. Uh, I, I want to see if he kind of turns this into. Obviously, he won his British Open last year, um, won the PGA the year before that. So I, I, let's see how he plays, you know, maybe at a U.S. Open this year. Clearly he put up a, a good fight at Augusta. I mean, this is somebody you can start talking about uh, of, you know, a potential career Grand Slam type person. And you know, it's a really exclusive club. You're, you'd be what if it, six other people have done it. Like it's a ridiculously exclusive club um, to have a career Grand Slam. So uh, and then I, I guess you, you kind of mentioned it, Cam Smith. Let, let's kind of break down this, how this final round went. Three shot lead coming in the day. Scotty hits it over the green on one after hitting a squirrely tee shot in the tree, left trees, uh, punches one out, runs it over the back of the green, gives himself room, but it's not the easiest chip in the world. You're chipping into this bowl, and if you miss your if you miss the bowl, you hit it too far, it's not an easy putt. And he he just steps up and knocks it absolutely stone dead to like a foot. Uh, immediately kind of shows, all right, he's got he's got the nerves under control. Cam Smith birdies. Two shot, now it's two shot lead. Cam Smith birdies two, Scotty pars two. It's a one-shot lead standing there on the third tee. Scotty gets uh, relief on three, getting a bad tee shot, kind of dusts it out of the pine straw. Cam Smith has an opportunity to put some serious pressure on him, also from the left uh, left rough. 
left pine straw. And he also gets under it and comes up short. And then Scotty Scheffler, I think this is, I call this the shot of the tournament personally, because I think this is the one that completely changed all the momentum of the day when Scotty hold out on three, because you like, I'm setting it up. Scotty comes out slow, um, not playing bad, but he started off slow and camps coming out hot. If cam birdies this hole or Scotty doesn't get up and down and camp does, you're talking about a tie tie game. Um, after three holes and who knows where his nerves are at that point. And Scotty makes his chip cam doesn't get up and down and boom, it's right back to a three shot lead. I think that was kind of the, the step back and take a breath moment for Scotty that he desperately needed. Yeah, 100%. I think cam the shot that he wants back most is that second shot on three, you know, because if, if he can just put that on the dance floor anywhere, you know, and he would avoid the compounding, the mistakes, you know, that golfers we talk about of not being able to get up and down after missing that green from, you know, 60 yards out. I know he was kind of in a wet area there beneath the scoreboard, but yeah, I totally agree. Sketch, uh, Scotty. I mean, th- that was no easy chip either, you know, below the green raised surface. You have to, he bounced it into the fringe. You never truly know what's going to happen when you do that bounce into the fringe at an angle, kicks it, and then rolls it in, and it was cruising too. It was, it was going pretty hot. Probably rolled would have rolled by three to five feet, and um, yeah, just drained. I think one hundred percent turning point in the tournament. Cam went and bogeyed the next two, and um, yeah, I think that that it was pretty much all she wrote from there from a chaser standpoint. If anybody else wanted to win, Scotty would have to come back to the field at that point. Absolutely. Um, he kind of kept everybody else at arm's length at that point. I don't think it ever got within three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, at that point, the, the nearest point, because you have Rory going berserk on the back nine, and he's coming from out of bounds, or he just, you know, he was way back, so he's not getting within a really close number. You're trying to wonder what Rory might be able to post. If he can post, you're saying, okay, I think it was after he eagled um, 13, he got to six, and you're like, okay, he's got 15, 16, and then maybe birdie 18, so can he post nine? And is nine going to be enough? Because Scotty's at 11. And you're like, God, is that enough? And um, Cam misses a short putt on 10, which I think was a, a really pivotal moment of, of a chance that he could have really saved himself one there to put some pressure. He goes and he birdies 11, and he got up to within three. And then Cam goes out there and does what I think you really have to do in that position. He's three back with seven holes to go you clearly see that scotty's playing well and he tries to go at that pin on 12 and he steps up and he fans an iron iron um and he gets up he gets he goes through it too quickly fans out to the right ball doesn't travel goes in race creek and scotty it's a way long left ends up getting up and down and at that point it really was all she wrote because scotty was on pure cruise, uh, cruise control after that moment yeah totally um i mean i i I was just thinking about Cam. I knew he was going for that pin. You know, seeing how he finished Sunday at 17 at the players at Sawgrass, you know, he's going to fire at this. He's not afraid. Just knowing him, he knows he needs to make birdies. Um, And so I I think me, along with all the other fans, a lot of other fans probably thought just not short, just not not short. You know, the people that go at that pin, you know, you think back in 19 when, you know, Finau, Brooks, Frankie Molinari, all those guys went short at that same pin um, and into the creek um just anywhere but short you know and sure enough another story another year of somebody um going short there and but I think that took away a lot of of shine from that up and down that Scheffler had 
you know, he, you couldn't be farther left without being in the Azaleas. You know, he was so far left. He probably thought I'm not missing right. And he about hit it in the weeds and this, that long chip, he hit it to about 15 feet past the pin, rolled it in. um, And just the amount of confidence that, that, you know, three shot swing he had just from making a par up and down between him and his playing partner and just had to have his confidence. And he carried that in, you know, and he played the next three at two under. So, um, yeah. And that after, after that, that was pretty much it. Exactly. He goes out, he does what he needs to do. Um, uh, birdies on, on 13. I, I have to laugh cause I was watching the, uh, watching the broadcast and this is where CBS really had some, some bad moments in my opinion, because you're sitting there and Scotty's in the fairway on 13 and you can look at the club that he's got in his hand and, they're they're talking about like oh that i don't know if this is like you know he hits it out kind of to the right he, he, to me it was very clear he was laying up he was not going for the screen and he hits the ball out to the right and i think it was Fowler was on the call it was either Fowler or jim nance was on the call and they're like oh that ball's out to the right i don't know if that's gonna carry and it comes up 30 yards short and you're like it was pretty clear it wasn't was going for it and then they're on the green and they botched the whole rory moment of of Rory hits in the bunker on 18 and Cam Smith's doing aim point on the green. And you've got Fauno jumps in on the broadcast. He goes, I don't want to spoil anything, but you'll never believe what just happened. We'll show it to you in a minute. <laughs> and you're like, that's the only thing you can't do. It's the only thing that's happening. Of course, is Rory going berserk. He just saw him hit in the bunker. And you're like, well, no duh, what's going to happen? <laughs> It was just so botched at that moment. Um, and, and then they botched it on 15, too, of Scotty sitting there. Yes. And <laughs> I, I, I don't blame Dottie because I think it was a mix-up in terms of uh, the sign. <laughs> if you're not familiar with how it works with the on-course reporters, so Caddy gives the sign to the on-course reporter what club they're hitting. And so the, to show a difference between a four-iron and a nine-iron, if, if you're looking at your hand and you do four numbers facing up, it's a four iron. If you do four numbers facing down, it's a nine iron. And so I don't know if they got mixed up on their signals or what, but Donnie says he's hitting a nine iron and Scotty hits his rope and draw. And it's like, well, clearly this thing's got some heat on it. And they're like, is he going for it? And he flies it over the green, which I don't blame the decision actually, because I, I think if you look at it, um, you know, you think the worst trouble is if you lay up and then you hit it in the in in the water from there. You know, worst case scenario, you hand the creek on two, or you hand the or either long or short, preferably probably the pond long. He's like, I'm not coming up short. So if you hand that back pond long, second shot, you're dropping, hitting four. You can chip up, even lay it, you know, just short of the hill of going to the green after five. And worst case, you're probably walking in there with a seven. If you lay up short, that's where you might be able to bring an eight or a nine into, into play. So I, I don't blame him going for it for long. It was just that stretch of like in a 45 minutes there. It was some really bad moments by CBS. Oh, and it is so, so rare. You think of it at Augusta, like Faldo and Nance, you know, these guys, they are the voice of golf, you know, the last five, ten, especially at Augusta. And I, I'm with you. I, when, you know, Scheffler, he's there, you know, kind of blocked out of those trees on the left. And you, 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 I could see Faldo leaning forward, looking into his monitor, but still having his mic on like, Dottie, that looks a little longer than a nine iron. And then <laughs> Scheffler just ropes this thing around. I'm like, oh gosh, what are we doing? But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it was also refreshing at times. I don't know, to see that these guys are human too. And girls, you know, like they make mistakes, but it's just so unfortunate 
there was like three within like a 30 minute stretch of a little bit of amateur hour, but uh, like the one thing that you can't do, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it it was pretty funny. Not gonna yeah, lie. it was great. I, 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 Nance still, and yeah, just the way they handled it on 18, you know, just kind of skipping ahead with Scheffler of just his whole process there. Nance still had a good call, you know, on 18. I know that's what those big time voices hang their hat on, but you know, um, it's the one that you get, it's the one that pops up when you, when you look at Twitter in, in a year and they're in a, right. oh, you know, a year ago, Scotty Scheffler won the Masters, and you know, the call is going to be on there. So it, it's clearly an important moment. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, cause we said at this point it was, it was all, but not, and Scotty was just doing his thing, working his way in. And then, uh, I, I think just a really entertaining moment to, to me, I thought it was actually really funny. <laughs> he sits there, he hits it up on that top of the ridge and you're like, all right, you know, my three play, you just got to lag it down there and lag it up next to the hole get out of there. You know, he's got a five shot lead on the hole. Uh, and he sits there and, uh, he hits it by, he misses the next one. And I'll say this, when he missed the second one and where he putted it to, I was like, he's going to miss it again. This guy's about to four putt and I'm running it through. And then after he misses it and he said they're going for his fourth putt, I'm sitting in my mind. I'm like, do you just like tap because he's three feet away? And do you just tap it and just tap it like two feet and just try and like actually have a pure tap it and you're just you're just taking the five putt? Or do you still try and make the fourth putt, which he, he did go and make a full effort at it. I'm like, cause there's just so many, so only so many times you can play ping pong with yourself before you're just going to try and nudge one right next to the hole. Um, and the crowd got into it after he missed the third one, they kind of did a big standing ovation and it, it was a really, uh, a really funny moment. Cause you just, you never see, I don't know how many people have ever four putted and uh, still won a major championship on the 18th green, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're walking up to that tee, or he's walking up, you know, the five-shot lead. And I know he wasn't looking at scoreboards much, but at that point, I figured he, he had to know, you know, that he's got quite a cushion. And so I'm sure after he hits his drive, hits his approach, walking up to the green, Cam Smith had a touch of class there, um, kind of stepping, just kind of waiting and letting Scotty just have his moment walking up. And Cam waited, you know, 30 seconds a minute and then followed up. I thought that was just so classy from Cam Smith there, but, uh, yeah, I wonder if Scheffler just had thought, okay, I got this in the bag. Like, this is, let's just get this in the house. But it was, uh, I love Max Homa's tweet, who's always great on Twitter, said, you know, at that point, do you just six putt and, and, and still win? You know, the fact that you, you could four putt the last hole of a major and win by three, just might as well just six putt and say, you know, I six putted to win a major. But it's uh, good for Scotty. It was, yeah, just a funny end of the week. That's for sure. You, you just you don't really ever see that happen. Um, looking at looking at the rest of the guys, to kind of finish there, and we'll go through the top twelve because that's what that's what matters at Augusta. If for those who don't know, top twelve are the ones who get the automatic invite back, uh, no matter what happens uh, to you in the in the next year. So most of these guys tend to normally be people. I would say out of the top twelve, you typically see eight of them. I would eight to ten of them are guys you would normally see on on a year to year basis. They'd be either one or they're going to be top fifty in the world next year. And then there's a couple of people that tend to have a really good week, and it's not a really cool cushion for them to know that they're coming back next year. So you had Scheffler first, McIlroy second, seven under. You had Shane Lowry, Cam Smith. Uh, really, really strong finish, I think, by Cam Smith after that triple uh, triple bogey. Really, really happy and proud to see how he finished coming back. It, it made me 
believe that this isn't going to be a haunting moment for him. I, I think that he was able to quickly put it behind him. Was just like, look, I went for it. I hit a bad shot. It is what it is. Um, regrouped really well to finish at five under. Morikawa at four under. Uh, uh, Will Zalatoris backs up his runner-up last year with a great performance this year, shooting, uh, finishing at three under T6. Corey Connors, another guy who just seems to always play well here. And he's really playing well this whole year on tour, but he plays he played really well this week again at Augusta. JT finishing at one under, Sung JM finishing at one under, solid week for Sung J. Uh, Cam Champ, uh, Charles Schwartzel. Schwartzel coming into this uh, tournament. I think he was in the final group on Saturday. Uh, really surprising to see his name pop up on the leaderboard, but a formal cha- former champion that's fat finds his way to get around the course. And then uh, DJ and then uh, Danny Willett, a blast from the past. Another guy, another former champion that came out of nowhere, but a guy who knows how to get his way around this golf course, clearly. And you saw that uh, course experience show up a lot there in that in that top 12. Yeah, three former winners there at the 10, 11, and 12 there, or um, yeah, to round last- out that. But yeah, I, I, I think one that guy that, regrouped really well was uh was Sungjae. you know i i checked in on him you know just you know looking at scores like halfway through or like it was like at the start of round three you know and he was four over after six in round three and i just kind of wrote him off i'm like you know what as we talked about last week there's always that one guy that goes out shoots a great score on thursday fizzles out i'm like there's Sungjae. you know 67 thursday boom fizzling out but he rounded out he f- had five birdies coming in after that moment Finished the round one under, you know, you know, three over on uh, Sunday, but still finished with that top 10. Um, another great ball striker. Um, and I'm with you. Corey Connors, he played well. He had a great finish of the match play. Um, and then playing well here. Somebody is trending right into the correct direction as we um, continue to move into the season with some more big tournaments. No doubt. Um, you know, that's kind of where I got on the, on the leaderboard. Uh, you look at Scotty Scheffler. He's 25 years old. Just got his first major championship. Like we said, he's on this ridiculous heater. Um, There's a list of guys who have won four PGA tournament or four tournaments in one season with one of them being a major and one of them being a uh, world, a WGC, a world golf championship. And coming into this year, I believe it had been done six times. It's either six or seven. Mark, my number might be off there, but I do know this. It had only been done by Tiger Woods. It was the only person who had ever done it before. And now Scotty does this. Um, he gets his first major, had played well, at, has played well at majors prior, uh, prior to this. It's not like this is the first time he's put himself in contention. So it, as I sit there, and I'm going to set this, this line because I think it's a pretty fair line. Scotty Scheffler career over under two and a half majors. Actually, no, sorry, three and a half majors. Three and a half in his career. Does he get to, does he get to four or is it less? Oh man, that is so tough. I think going off of, man, (laughs) I'm going under. I I know we're seeing the hottest stretch um, in recent memory other than Tiger, maybe Jordan Spieth, but um, when is, you know, Spieth getting his next major? No, when's Rory getting his next major? Those are two guys, you know, Spieth, he came out hot, had, you know, three majors in his first few years on the tour. And we're like, this guy, he's on his way to eight, nine, you know, he's going to pass Watson. You know, he, he, he has a game made for this with his putter. Boom. Speeds putter goes cold. You know, somebody that we thought was invincible on the greens, you know, and he hasn't been able to get his form back. Rory, same way. Rory hasn't won a major since 2014, you know, when he won two with the open and the PGA, 
you know, he, he hasn't been able to really put that together since then. Not that he hasn't been playing well. He's been playing great. You know, it's just, there's just that many more guys that are just coming in ready to win. You know, the laundry list is just so long. I mean, Morikawa came on tour three years ago. He's already second in the world. You know, who's going to be that guy next year that comes on a tour that just comes in, you know, blazing hot. Rom was that guy when he came on a few years before Morikawa, you know, that's just the revolving door of successful players that come in ready to win is only getting more. And these players are only getting older. And I know Scheffler, he's 25, you know, he's got 15 more years of his prime, you know, you, you say using that benchmark of, you know, kind of forties when that starts to taper off, but um, however hot he is, it's not going to sustain forever. You know, we've only seen one person that's been able to sustain that this kind of success over the course of 10 years, Tiger. And that was unheard of. And so, um, I don't know. I, uh, so the three and a half number, I would say he'll end his career with three. Um, so barely miss it. What about you? I, I'm right there. I'm on the under and I, I, it sounds so sad to sit there and say that, but I think you're, I think you nailed it right on the, right on the coffin there of um, there's just too many good players. You start looking around and it's like, there are so many freaking good players that these guys have got to, they're all going to get their fill in my opinion of their majors at some point. There are so many good golfers out there that, that are playing and it's like, Oh, how many majors do they have? Like two, one, like it's hot. It's so freaking hard to win one of these things. And look at John Rahm a year ago, the man was untouchable. You're sitting there and you're like, this is Tiger Woods strokes game data for an entire season. Like this is, this is the top level type stuff. And John, I'm not saying that John Rom's a bad player, but this season he's terrible. He's terrible around the greens and he hasn't been able to compete. Um, and, and it's, so it's like little things like this of, you know, and I think some of that with John Rom might have to do with green reading books are taken away this year. You see, you start seeing somebody really struggle around the green and you might have to put two and two together of that type of change this year. Who knows what other changes might happen in the future with a, uh, with the with the golf ball potentially changing and raining back some distance of guys who hit the ball far and they won't be able to compete as well if they can't hit the ball so much further than everybody else. Uh, you just don't know what's going to come down the pipe in the next 10 to 15 years. And so I'm with you. I think that I think his game sets up extremely well for a U.S. Open. I think his game sets up well for a PGA championship, depending upon the venue. I'm not sure how his game translates personally to overseas um, at a British Open. Um, I think he can grind. He certainly can play in the wind being from Texas, but it's like it's just such a different style of golf of what you're used to over here where you've got to fly the ball high, land it soft, and and over there you've got to run the ball everywhere. So uh, I don't know if his game really translates there. So I see him probably getting one U.S. Open or a PGA and – and maybe fortunately getting to, but that's kind of, that's where I stand right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, what Tiger was interviewed, I don't know if after the second round, maybe about Scotty and, you know, he said, you know, he's on one of those two or three month stretches that we all dream about right now. And you, you, you just pray that it lasts that long and you hope that a major falls somewhere in those stretches. You know, I, I, I think of DJ who's, he held the world number one, what over a year. And he still only has two majors and he is like made in a lab when it comes to golf talent. You know, people talk about DJ all the time. I know he's won on tour every year since he came in like 2008, you know, or something. He's got 20 wins, you know, so many wins. Um, and just the guy, you know, he got robbed, you know, um, 
up at uh, Whistling Straits, you know, at the PJ a while ago, but then he got his U.S. Open, got his Masters, but just that kind of guy that has all the talent in the world. You expect eight, nine, ten majors out of him, and, you know, that peak, if it just doesn't fall at the right time, um, it just, just yeah, you, you, you miss out. And so Spieth's hit at the right time, you know, Masters, U.S. Open, you know, Augusta, Chambers Bay, you know, Rory hit at the right time in 14 the year before. And um, yeah, we'll see if Scotty can keep it up this year because I'm sure he's aware of that too, of that this is unsustainable, but might as well ride it out as long as we can. Absolutely. I think uh, he was going to sit there and regroup a little bit, maybe take a little bit of time off the next week or two. Um, enjoy this win, celebrate. He absolutely deserves it. And as we've seen, um, the man's putting out of his mind right now. The guy is on a heater. Uh, and it's not like, I don't want to say like when I say on a heater, I'm not trying to take away anything from him. Like he's been playing good. This is just, you get in a level with golf, your putter gets hot. And then this is where you can start really racking up some wins. If you're able to sustain it for a week over week basis. So, um, we'll see if the man can hold it for a whole season. I I'm really excited to see what happens. We're a little over a month now away from what, five weeks away from uh, Southern Hills. If, if that's going to be really interesting to see that BGA championship. We don't know if we're going to see Tiger there. He said that he's uncommitted at this moment. Uh, and then you'll have the U.S. Open at Brookline. I would be shocked if he's at that one personally. I think that's just going to be such a tough walk for him. Um, and so, I, but he did commit to St. Andrews to the old course at the end of the year. Uh, that's the one to really look forward to in, Ju- in July. That's one that I think a lot of people were circling coming into this year, saying that Tiger can get his way around there. It's an easy walk. The man knows his course. He's won here before. Uh, I'm super pumped to be able to see that happen. We don't know how many more tournaments that we have in his body um, or that his body can 